Today's episode is brought to you by Kangaroo. Kangaroo was created to ensure that everyone has access to home security. Every product Kangaroo makes starts with three questions. Is it simple? Can it be produced at a price that everyone can afford? And is it secure? With Kangaroo, you never pay for unnecessary bells and whistles, and you know that your data is going to be secure. The front door security kit is a simple setup. No tools or techniques required. If you have Wi-Fi and a smartphone, you can use Kangaroo. Go to heykangaroo.com to learn more and start keeping your home safe today. And be sure to use the code RINGDONG for 20% off any Kangaroo complete subscription order. Welcome to the Sports Talk Garage podcast, where we discuss and debate the latest news and hot takes from the court in the ball fields to the locker room and front office. We are four lifelong friends who grew up with a love of professional and collegiate sports. Today, we are bankers, investors, professors, and entrepreneurs, but our love of sports has never changed. Come listen for the fun, gain some insight, and probably a few laughs as we give you our perspective on those oversized contracts, game-winning scores, and franchise players. This is the Sports Talk Garage. Welcome, everyone, to Season 3, Episode 1 of the Sports Talk Garage Podcast. I'm your host here, as always, John, here with Matt and David. And we've got a very special announcement uh, tonight as we kick off Season 3 of the podcast. Uh, the Sports Talk Garage Podcast is the family is growing tonight as we br- welcome in Mike. Uh, Mike's been on the show multiple times before. Um, it's been a great addition. We're really looking forward to uh, having your content from week to week and, and getting to know you more and, and talking sports with you every week. So, uh, Mike, why don't you take a quick second to introduce yourself or anyone that may not have heard you in prior episodes? Yeah, thanks. Uh, thanks again for having me. I'm happy to, to join the, the show. Um, I am a sports information director uh, at a Division II school down here in Florida, uh, Embry-Riddle Aeronautical University. Um, I've been working at Embry-Riddle for about 10 years now. I've been in sports information for 13 years, um, started out at Florida Gulf Coast University, also known as Dunk City. Um, and uh, yeah, been a sports fan all my life, and I'm just thrilled to have the opportunity to talk sports with you guys. So what Mike's trying to say is that he's the only one of the group that actually gets to do something fun for a living, it sounds like. <laughs> <laughs> that is that is true. I do, I do get the privilege of, of working in sports all the time, so. It's a lesson for all the uh, the younger folks out there. Uh, don't go into banking. It's not any fun. <laughs> <laughs> jeez. There goes that fun bus. I mean, I'm not oh, saying man. banking's fun either, but gee, man, Chris. No, no, banking's not fun. Uh, you do it for this many years, and uh, yeah, you wish you'd done something else. But it's probably that. It's probably like that for most uh, professions. But anyway, so moving on, guys. Uh, Dave and Matt, how's it going tonight? Good to be back. Hey, man, it's a rock and roller coaster around here, buddy. Ohio's going to kick off football this week and we're uh we're set to go colleges aren't allowed to play but high schools and under sure are so woohoo yeah you have to <laughs> after the show, you still need to explain to me how that works exactly but <laughs> our illustrious governor who just is getting sent articles of impeachment i'm sure would love to explain that to you <laughs> too many cooks in the kitchen making decisions here it sounds like yeah you could say yeah. that david what about yourself and it's been another busy week uh, working at a university, school starting, and last-minute changes and preparations, trying to keep kids on campus. I'm not sure how long it's actually going to last, so my life's been a little crazy lately. Yep, yep, same in my in the lovely world of banking. I've got a few days off coming up in the next week for, I think, my first vacation in the last, I don't know, 12 months or so, actual vacation, even though I'm going to be working for 80% of it. But anyways, that's life in the world of COVID, so... Uh, moving on, guys, let's throw the green flag and kind of get into the content tonight. Um, you know, it's a weird time in sports. We don't have a, a ton of stuff going on. So when something, you know, pretty magnificent hits the, the tables, we definitely want to talk about it. And uh, tonight we're going to venture into baseball, but just in kind of in a, in a unique way. Uh, we're talking baseball cards and trading cards uh, real fast. It came out this week, the Mike Trout's uh, 2009 baseball card sold for a whopping $3.84 million. And the buyer actually spent 3.93 if you count his buyer's premium. Exactly. Oh. I'm not sure what that means exactly. But, I mean, guys, holy cow. <laughs> What's your initial thoughts when you see something like that for a baseball card? What card is worth that much money for a little three-by-four-inch piece of paper? 
<laughs> Granted, I mean, the one it took over for the record was also in the $3 million range, which in itself, that Honus Wagner card is pretty ridiculous. But still, spending $3 million makes you think you just have too much money to blow that you don't know what to do with, so you buy a baseball card. See, the Honus Wagner card kind of makes sense to me. I mean, it was a 1909 card, sold for, what, $3.1 million back in mm-hmm. 2016. But that one, I guess, makes sense. You know, it's like a legendary player from, like, sure. the olden days, you know, clearly retired Hall of Famer, valid, you know, um, someone who's, 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 you know, passed on and, and moved on, you know, and left a legacy behind. It's shocking that an active player has a, a baseball card that is selling for that much. And a guy is probably going to play for quite a few more years i would think as well yeah yeah for him to be in i mean not necessarily in his prime but let's just say in his prime most of the guys that have baseball cards that uh tack up for that much are old yankees babe ruth uh, yogi Berra, some guys that are going to be unless that card has like a gold plated leaf in it that <laughs> was one off nobody else ever will have okay but you know i mean this is this is really odd to me for somebody who's still playing i mean would you ever think you'd see the day where uh like a mike trout card would sell for four to five times more than a babe ruth card from 1916 (laughs) or mickey mantle card i mean there's two high value mickey mantle cards the highest being 2.88 million that was sold and I mean, we're talking another million on top of that for an active player. Well, also, back in May, Mike Trout, a uh, rookie card that was autographed, sold for 900000 So, I mean, that in itself is, I still think, ridiculous for an active player. I mean, I get it. Like, as far as, I mean, if you got the money to spend, it's like, why not? And I guess if you're willing to, to you know, hop on another several hundred thousand dollars for your buyer's premium just so you can you know say you, you have the right to do this but i mean we're, we're talking about a future hall of famer i mean in my personal opinion i i think that mike trout is the best baseball player of our generation um and i, and I would say you know you can maybe throw out one or two different names out there but i, I would say you know it's, it's going to be hard to argue against him considering what he's done three-time mvp eight-time all-star uh, player uh, an all-star MVP, rookie of the year, seven-time silver slugger. I mean, the guy pretty much does anything and everything. Um, and he has one of the highest war record stats in, in all of baseball as well. So, I mean, the, the amount of impact that he has on a, an Angels team, honestly, it's unfortunate that he's on an Angels team because it, it's funny that he's still, in some places of this country, is still not a household name. Um, you know, yeah. when you think of, like, football stars. And that that's to me shocking. We, we talked about a bunch of times on the podcast where – Baseball does a pretty poor job of really, you know, showcasing its stars. And Mike Trout is one of the best that there is, but he's stuck in a second-tier Los Angeles team that uh, nobody cares about. So, but man, holy cow! I mean, yeah, like I said, he's a future Hall of Famer, and I guess maybe. Okay, I'm I'm gonna <laughs> ask again though. Like, what makes that card? So I'm I'm looking here, and Beckett Grading Services says it got a grade of mint nine, which is the third highest grade that a card can receive. Third highest, three point nine three million. No, there's probably what was so special about the card? Is it like the last one on the planet? That's that's the only thing that I can think of because I know I know that that Honus Wagner card and some of those other ones like they're the value is because they're so rare. So I assume that this was a card that they didn't make very many of. Because if I remember correct, when I was I was reading about it, didn't the guy who who just sold it, he bought it a few years ago for like one point one million. Wow. So why did it? Why is it worth almost four times more now? Like three years later, I don't. That's what that's what shocked me about it. Maybe it's just the no, it was bought for four hundred thousand in two thousand eighteen on eBay. Dave four hundred thousand, yeah, four hundred thousand, four hundred thousand. Mm-hmm. So, so it's more than in gambling circles in Vegas, more? Dave. Talk about a return on your investment. <laughs> no kidding. <laughs> that dude made $3 million yeah. in two years. So well, just think the guy that sold this thing for 400000 probably thinks that, like, he probably thinks he cashed in here until <laughs> yeah. today, at least. And now yeah. he's like, are you freaking kidding me right now? Yeah. I mean, maybe the buyer thinks that, listen, I mean, like I said, a future Hall of Famer is going to go down as probably the best baseball player in this generation. You know, I, I, I will see him as eventually people will look back and, you know, it'll be the Babe Ruth, it'll be the Mickey Mantles, it'll be the Mike Trouts. You'll, you know, yeah. 
I think he's going to be that, or he is that type of player, in my personal opinion. And maybe he's thinking, listen, I'll spend this three point eight four million now, and and you know, in fifty years or whatever, it might sure. be worth six million or seven. <laughs> Yeah, I don't know. Sure. Or his his grandkids, great great kids, grandkids are going to be wealthy and rich thanks to this one piece of uh, of paper that's uh, three inches tall. <laughs> you know, it's crazy. I know all of us collected baseball cards as kids. Of the hundreds that I have, and I'm sure some of you probably have way more than that, they're probably not even worth like three thousand dollars altogether, unless I have some awesome no. people know about. They're just stuffed away in a box. Yeah, I, I can tell you my my collection lived at my parents' house. Uh, and about six, six to eight months ago, they asked me if I had any sentimental attachment to it. And I said no. And they had a friend who was into baseball cards and he, he looked them over. And I, I mean, we're talking legitimately, it had to be 15 to 20,000 cards. Wow. And my parents sold it to him for, I think we got like 500 bucks for it. Because <laughs> like, they're mo- most of them are worth like a penny or, or a nickel. So like. I, I wish I would have had one of those Mike Trout cards, but it's <laughs> worth the burning paper they're built on. Yeah. Right, exactly. <laughs> I don't know sure. what my obsession was with. Uh, well, I mean, I kind of do, but with uh, Frank Thomas and Bo Jackson, I've got like I don't a, a ridiculous amount of cards for the for each of those people. I have more of those two cards than I have probably in my entire collection, and I've got. I mean, not not to your level, Mike, but I've got you know, probably a couple of thousand cards and I bet you a good percentage of them are one of those two players. I don't remember doing this as a kid, but apparently I just <laughs> traded everything. I was like, you got a Frank? Oh yeah. Give me the Frank. Yeah, give, give me that me. one. Take whatever you want. <laughs> give me the big yep. one. So, yep. I mean, I'll take your damn Marino rookie sense, card. But... <laughs> thanks. <laughs> well, we mentioned kind of like some of the other big cards that are out there. I don't know if you guys had any other ones that you want to throw out. I mean, I thought it was uh, interesting. Uh, Pete Rose, his 1963 car was 717,000. I, I don't know, like, I mean, you guys all know the backstory of Pete Rose and stuff, but that one sort of surprised me that I didn't I didn't expect that to be worth what it was, just given everything. But I don't have the date of when it was sold either, so that could have made it an impact, perhaps. Yeah, the only other one that I found quite interesting back in July, a LeBron James rookie cards with a little swatch of his jersey sold for $1.845 million. And then LeBron came on social media and said, hey, guess what? I have like four or five of those myself. So <laughs> I don't know if he bought it new and they go up or he just bought a bunch of cards of himself because I would do that as a professional athlete. Oh, I, I would totally do myself that. Too. Yeah. <laughs> and just have that these are now worth a lot of money. So it's going to be a nice little pocket change for him in the future whenever he decides to sell those. Well, I thought it was interesting too that uh, just for comparison's sake, when we're talking again about a baseball card that's a few inches tall and made out of pieces of paper – uh, Babe Ruth's 1920 Yankees jersey, which was is believed to be the first jersey that he wore with the Yankees, um, sold for $4.4 million. Oh, oh so just to give you a comparison, we're talking about a game-worn jersey of, you know, arguably the greatest of all time. And and then you're talking about a, a baseball card that's, you know, if you, if you discount, if you, even if you take away the buyer's premium, you know, $600,000 less, uh, it's, it's shocking that this card has risen to that level of something that a game warm Babe Ruth Jersey Gosh. would even be in the same conversation is an unbelievable to me. It's a crazy world. Yeah. Uh, any other big cards you guys found? Oh, let's see. You said the Babe Ruth one, right? Yeah. 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 So that's the funny thing to me is if you go outside of some of this, cause like Mickey Mantle gets up to 1.1, the stuff that kind of cracks me up is when you look at it, we're we're not even talking about card collection because there is a lot of game cards out there. And as I was doing a search earlier for this, there's a, I believe it's a Yu-Gi-Oh card. If any of you guys watched that TV show back in the day when we were all kids and uh, that went for $2 million. Jeez. Hmm. So game cards go ridiculous prices as well as sports card collectors wow. yeah i saw like it's a crazy. world of warcraft card that was like several hundred thousand dollars and i was shocked by that honestly <laughs> i'm that's like insane. wow that's like i don't i don't really understand it no. um but yeah so moving on uh david i don't know if you want to tell a little bit about some of the backstory of this before we get into kind of the content of it but we had an agent that kind of stuck his foot in his mouth this week in the world of nhl hockey 
Um, you you want to give some of the backstory on that for anyone that hasn't heard it? Yeah. So is that the, where you think he stuck it? Because I think it was worse than that. <laughs> so the, uh, the Vegas Golden Knights, uh, their goalie Mark Andre Fleury, kind of the, the star of the franchise, um, has had known his agent for a very long time since he was fifteen. I put a little post on social media, just not happy with the coach. The coach traded for a backup goalie to help, you know, shore up the depth, but he took it as, you know, he's not doing his job well. So he put this picture on social media of him with the coach and a sword, kind of depicting that the coach did not really believe in him. Well, that did not sit well with some other people on the team. Um, the agent took it down. There's this controversy of why is the agent doing this, but also what was the premise behind this tweet that was put out by the star? It's kind of the backstory of what's going on in Vegas right now. So, Mike, what do you think about this? I don't know if you're a hockey guy or not, but what do you think? Yeah. About, you know, you're more in the biz than anybody, at least for the four of us. What do you think about an agent kind of trying to manipulate some playing time here in the Stanley Cup playoffs? Well, well, I think, as I understand it, um, you know, Marc-Andre Fleury is probably going to be a Hall of Famer one mm-hmm. day. He's yep. He's had a very solid career. Um, and he, if I remember correctly, he was the, their primary goalie a couple of years ago in their expansion year when they made that amazing playoff run that nobody saw coming. Um, so fast forward to this year and they GM made a trade, um, traded their backup goalie and got a, got Robin Lanier, who is also a very good goalie. And the expectation everybody had was they were going to split time even even going into the postseason that they were probably going to share playing time. And in their opening round series, Flurry didn't play hardly at all. Um, they won the series handily, and Lanier played quite well. Um, and so I think that's where the idea of the, the, the backstabbing came from. And the comments that Flurry said after this was all brought up led me to believe at least that he's not exactly upset with his agent for saying that. I think he, they, they asked him and he, he, you know, said the politically correct stuff about being a team player and everything. But when he was specifically asked if he knew that his agent was going to post that he declined to answer, um, which kind of gives the indication that you, you knew that he felt like this and you agreed with it. So, I think there's there's some animosity, a little bit at least, between Flurry and the management of the Golden Knights as far as what his future is with that franchise. Yeah, it's weird. I mean, he's had – yeah, I agree with you. I mean, he's been a phenomenal, absolutely phenomenal goal, goaltender over the, the years that he's been in the hockey. Um, but, yeah, he's kind of – he's in at least for his uh, sake of things, he's struggled some this year. Um, yeah. you know, so I, when you're going into the playoffs, I think he's only got a, like a nine Oh five, uh, save percentage in the 49 games that he played this year. So, I mean, he's definitely down, you know, his competition isn't a whole lot better. That one pains me because it was a, a trade deadline for my Chicago Blackhawks that, that moved that whole deal over and, and started this whole mm-hmm. change reaction. Uh, who knew, who would have known that my, play, my Blackhawks were going to make the quote unquote playoffs through the COVID expansion that they, if yeah. they would have known that they probably wouldn't have traded at the deadline. Um, but yeah, I mean, you got to. I think you got to go with the hot hand, and and, and mm-hmm. you know, even in Chicago, he was the hot hand. He he looked good. Uh, I wish so. I yeah. wish we had him back over the guy we stuck with with Crawford up there now. But um, I mean, when you're talking about games line, I think everybody expected him to get past Chicago. Unfortunately, uh, my hope was that they just you know they didn't sweep the, my team, which they didn't. Thankfully, we got one game one game out of it. But I mean, going in and and, and pressing further in this, you got to go with a guy that's high and seeing the puck well feeling well and you know who knows what's going on off the ice as far as like injuries and little minor tweaks and stuff that they don't want to release you know to the media but right yeah i think that's interesting what you said as far as him can basically know what's going on it's almost like he wanted a little bit of plausible deniability it's like what yeah. i was like all right yeah just you do whatever you want just don't <laughs> tell me about it kind of things <laughs> so where do we draw the line here obviously nation's supposed to help their player you know get the best contract they can best situation best team does this cross the line when an agent is kind of posting this on behalf of the player? Well, I think you have to trust. Uh, and he even talks about the fact that he had such a great relationship with his agent since he was 15. I mean, this is a long standing relationship and he's supposed to do the best interest 
or had the best interest of his client when he's I mean, if you ask me, he just went a little overboard on it. Um, I mean, it's your, it's up to your agent to try and get you the best deal. And if you're sitting back seat after a trade was made and you've gone undefeated against that team since 2006, you know, I would, I would think that you'd be using, as you said, the hot hand, but at the same time, the experienced guy should be getting some game time here. So if his agent's upset enough and, you know, they've, obviously had some conversations behind closed doors. He just made a mistake in going that far with sticking a knife in the back. So, um, yeah, I think you just have to trust your agent. I mean, now the question is, what do you say? Do you stick with him? Do you, cause that's got to hurt his, uh, you know, his, his career with any of his other players, because, you know, is he ever going to go off and do that again? Who knows? Well, I think it, it, it like your to your point. I think it could potentially hurt him for future opportunities and future moves. You know, if I think we're still pretty light, you know, in comparison to some of the, the garbage that we see with like NFL players and, and some of their agents and stuff like that. So this is probably not anywhere close to that realm. But certainly, if you use the NFL as a comparison, there's certainly some guys out there that have a bad rep. And uh, teams, although they may be, you know, some of the best in the business teams don't really want to touch him because they don't want that, you know, negative stigma and the negative kind of poison in, in the locker room. And I don't think we're at that level yet. But you you would think like, hey, if, if I want to get playing time, you know, pissing off the, the management is not probably the way you're going to get playing time, especially, you know, if they can continue to win, you know, in future years, you know, it's a possibility he starts taking a back seat and, uh you know, you got two very, very strong goalies there. So unless there's an injury, he might be putting himself back on, you know, on the rear foot already. And then as far as making a future move, like then teams say, okay, well, you know, do I want to deal with this guy? If I don't give him a playing time, is he going to, is he going to moan and complain? And I, I don't know. I feel like that could hurt him in the long run, but I don't know. Uh, so moving on to the back to football, um, you know, the, the great sport of football. Uh, we're all, we're all juicing up, wait, ready to start hearing some pad smacking. Uh, but the NFL has its own uh, unique thing going on. We talked about expansion teams and things like that, but the NFL is going to do their own type of expansion, and that being in the form of a, a gigantic $300 million resort uh, at the Hall of Fame. Guys, uh, are you dying? Are you going to be purchasing, you know, day one? Are you looking for your football theme water park tickets? I mean, is that hot on your to do list as soon as you can get out of quarantine? <laughs> So this one's interesting. Uh, I mean, I'm not guys being the closest one to this. David and I actually got together. I've been a couple times now. David and I got together at one point when he was tracing his roots up here. And uh, we went to the Hall of Fame and kind of walked around. And it's, it's a neat attraction. But it definitely lacks what I think this probably should have been in place a long time ago. Uh, people up here really like having some kind of indoor water uh, to go swim or play in. And, you know, it is a big to do to come see this. And depending on how they build out, considering that the Hall of Fame is built right off the stadium, they could have it so that hotel sits right behind it and you could look out over the field on various game days. So I think it just depends on how they put it together. Um but I think this has been a long time coming. I'm surprised that we've waited till 2020 to decide to put this together. So I'm a little different on this one. So it was wonderful going around the Hall of Fame, seeing everything. We spent five or six hours there looking around, and it was fun. But it's in Canton, Ohio. You're like an hour from Cleveland. <laughs> two, what, are, what are you trying to say, David? Two hours from Columbus, two hours from Pittsburgh. I mean, it's it's kind of just there by itself, right off the interstate. It was a really cool place, but I'm not really sure if you're a football fan, you're going to go anyway if you have the opportunity. And I'm not sure that the water park or the research center, whatever that's going to be for, is going to be the tipping point. Okay, now I really want to go spend four or five days there instead of just a day or two. So I think it's really, I mean, that's a neat thing that they're doing. I'm just not sure if it's going to lead to more people wanting to actually show up like, oh, yeah, let's go play in the water park and go toward the Hall of Fame. Do you think the water park is was just thrown in last minute as a way to, like, appease people's other halves, uh, you know, in the relationship? Like, mm -hmm. okay, you know, Mrs., uh, you know, we could go, and, and she's like, no, 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 no. 
She's like, you know, we got the kids. We plan this nice vacation. You know, the kids are going to want to have something to do. And now he's like, all right, well, you and the kids can go to the water park and I can go, uh, you know, or vice versa. Maybe she's like, hey, you and the kids can go sit in the water park. You can go, you know, clean their, you know, change their diapers and stuff. And she's like, I'm going to, to the Hall of Fame to look around. I, I feel like it's such a, an odd thing to have a water park there, but that's the only thing I can come up with is like, they're just trying to say, okay, how do we get a whole family here? Because mm-hmm. right now there's probably not a whole entire family that has any interest in walking around and looking at really, really old stuff in behind glass cases. So <laughs> I don't know the, the part that I guess conf- I, the hotel, I think makes sense. Cause it's like, all right, you know, it is out in the middle of nowhere. So if you want to you know, make a day out of it, say come in the night before, stay there, you know, have a nice dinner. Hopefully it's like, you know, they, they kind of really amp it up there really luxury style dinner and everything. And then you go see it, you know, the next day, the retail space, I guess, obviously can make sense. Uh, you know, maybe they have some, I don't know. I haven't been there unfortunately, but maybe they have some team store or something like that. Everybody wants to buy some, some crappy merchandise when they go anywhere. Um, but the, the apartment buildings, I mean, I, I like, first off, what, what jobs are around there? Uh, since you guys have vi- visited, is There's there a couple anything... colleges around there that you can get into? Um, but is a college kid going to be able to afford an apartment at the NFL no. Hall of Fame? Not likely. I imagine these things are probably going to be like be five thousand dollars a month or something, you know, for a one bedroom or something like that. I mean, it's going to be like Chicago or Manhattan type prices, I imagine, for this deal. <laughs> and also, it feels I don't like know that they can. Dallas but, is doing down at the Star, where they're building apartments, so you have access to practice and everything. I feel like that's what they're trying to emulate here. And yeah, I don't know who's going to want to move there unless you live in the area. <laughs> say, oh yeah, I'll move across town. Yeah, I don't see anybody saying, "Yeah, let's move to Canton all of a sudden so we can go live at the Hall of Fame." I mean, no. maybe in the world of of quarantine and remote work, you know, mm-hmm. maybe it's like, "All right, I'm not going to be back in the office for four years, and I love football, so." <laughs> Of course, in that case, it's like, you know, why not move to Dallas if you're a Cowboys fan? That one, I guess, makes sense because it's like, all right, if you're a diehard Cowboys fan, you get to go see practices, it'd be kind of cool. But, all right, let me go move to a place where there's one game a year, and it's probably not going to be a team that I'm interested in. Even if it is my team, it's not going to be any of the players that I know actually playing that night. I don't know. I don't see the vibe there. Well, okay, so I think we're also thinking of this in a small fashion, right? So I'm trying to look at this on how are they going to make money. You don't bring – to this type of project project. for them not to have done a bunch of research and tried to figure out how they're going to put this together. Right. Um, As the only one out of four of us who has played there, uh, there is a lot of draw. I think that you could do past NFL teams. There's a couple college teams there. There are some high school teams there. So if you really expand this out, you're actually going to give, especially for some hotels and other things near you're going to give the fans that are coming in to watch this play or watch their kids or, or grandkids or family member, friend uh, that are coming from out of the area, a place to come and do something other than just walk through the Hall of Fame. Because as you guys said, there's not a lot going on around in Canton. Um, as Dave said, Cleveland's down the road. And I know a lot of people that live on the outskirts of Chicago over an hour out and will go into the city to, to do it. I know I get it. It's not Chicago. It's <laughs> Cleveland. But – you know, if you really wanted to say, hey, look, I get, you know, X amount with, uh, you know, and this is only the first round. I mean, what if they bought the land nearby and did an expansion with a golf course or something? Again, this is a Disney exec. This guy has had his time. Disney loves to build ridiculous over the top. I mean, look what they've done with Star Wars. Now they have a giant Star Wars theme park that you get lost in that I was watching, you know, how they created and all that the other day. So just put that in with football, which is America's pastime. You're also really close to Canton McKinley, which is one of, as we've talked about in season one, one of the biggest rivalries that are out there. And that's not far down the road. So I think it's just one of those things. They've obviously done the research on what they think they can pull in there. I saw that they lost some money because of uh, COVID coming into place and really just slowing down a lot of what they wanted to do. I get it. But I think there's a lot more potential there based on, you know, Midwesterners, uh, as Mr. Keegan said a while back, liking to stay home and watch TV. So if you can go send your kids down to the water park like you do at Great Wolf Lodge while walking through some football events and stuff, great. They could also turn that into a pretty big um, stage for doing presentations and all that kind of stuff. 
you could, hey, you know, here's the other thing. They could do the draft out of there pretty easily, too, if they expand themselves enough. That's what I was thinking. I was like, why don't they just – I wonder if, if they really built this out, if they should, you know, make it so that the draft is there multiple years in a row and try to see how big they could grow this thing, you know, post, post-COVID. Because that's that like what you mm-hmm. just said is the biggest draw of my mind is have the draft there and force people's hands who are you know are definitely going to go to the draft and we know there's a huge following there every year people travel for that that I could see totally makes sense because then you got your hotel you can bring your family for the water park you got all everything there I, I mean in my opinion they should have spent that three hundred million to move the Hall of Fame to somewhere that actually matters but I, I get it that's, <laughs> that's the birthplace of the sport blah 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 yada yada. Um, <laughs> But, yeah. (laughs) One last point here. Uh, The research center, which is still ambiguous of whether it's medical research, equipment, gear, technology, I think that could be huge, especially, you know, concussions are big and just medical in general with as much technology as we're integrating into sports now. I mean, if that's where the NFL wants to put their hub of doctors and other smart people to look into things, you know, that could be really big. And you can kind of see maybe behind a glass case, what they're looking at, what they're working on at the time. That'd be kind of neat for the, the nerdy people to go. I enjoy watching that. Hey, you talk about their hub of doctors. I'm thinking more of their hub of lawyers, but that's just, a, that's probably a whole other topic when it comes to CT and stuff. Nobody like likes lawyers. You get stuck in Canton. Maybe they should have a glass case and just have all the NFL lawyers in there you know, going through their lawsuits and stuff. And you can get the inside scoop of that. I don't know. Maybe that would be an attraction. I'd pay to see that, actually. <laughs> How much does it cost to get into Hall of Fame these days, Matt? It's not too much. What was it, David, in the 30s? The $30, $40. That's a little pricey. I don't know. It's, it's, it. <laughs> it's a little more than I was expecting, but that's an NFL logo for you. Yeah. All right. Well, fair enough. All right, guys. We'll see. We'll see if it's worth it. I mean, $300 million investment, obviously – you know, the NFL is, is assuming that by 2022, the world's going to be a normal place or whatever that looks like and that people will have be willing to get out and about. And, they, you know, they're I think from the statement that I saw is that they pretty much specifically said that they're they're banking on the fact that, you know, they think, you know, Americans especially are going to want to travel and get out and do a bunch of whole things, you know, as soon as they can. And that being probably, you know, in the next year or so. Um, so I, you know, I think it's, you got to invest in yourself. Right. And, uh, if you're thinking long-term picture, Matt, I think you, you had a great point there with the draft. I think that's a phenomenal idea. Um, and now that would certainly give them the platform to do it. So anyways, let's take a quick break, uh, put some airtime for our sponsors and, and, uh, thank them for helping keep the show rolling. And, uh, we'll be right back after this break. How many times while you have been manscaping have you nicked or nearly trimmed off your wiener schnitzel in the twins? Hey, I'm Christy and with 30 years experience teaching men how to thin out their forest in their yonder region, I am so excited to tell you about this revolutionary Lawn Mower 3.0. The ceramic blades prevent the manscaping accidents that leave you unable to use your most favorite appendage. Oh, and gentlemen, it also keeps a 90-minute charge for those of you that haven't trimmed in quite a while. You'll need every second of that 90 minutes. Let's be real, though. No one, especially your significant other, wants to have to weed through your overgrown forest to find their favorite play toy. So order now at manscaped.com and enter the promo code PODCAST20 and receive 20% off plus free shipping. Serious, Bushy Man. Order now. Hey, welcome back, everybody. This is Sports Talk Garage Podcast. We've been really enjoying some time with our new host, Mike. And uh, welcome him again to the show. We had a little bit of a chance to talk about the crazy high price that Mike Trout's uh, rookie card went for. A little bit of uh, Marc-Andre Fleury, uh, the new NFL Hall of Fame resort expansion. So let's drop off to another sport. We're going to go into, let's call it David's uh, area of the field with the NBA. So as we're starting to move into the playoffs, David, let's start with the East Conference Who's who's up? What's it look like out there in the field right now? And who's your favorite that you're looking at? Gosh, when we're looking at the East Conference, it is more of a battle than I expected here. Got the Bucks and the Magic. Uh, Bucks are up 3-1 down at Disney World. I think it's going to be a pretty good sweep on this last game. Um, I see the Ducks definitely move. Heat and Pacers, though. Heat won 4-0. I was very surprised that they swept the Pacers. The Heat are this... 
Jimmy Butler led team. They've got a lot of good core players, but not this big superstar who's really pulling them out. Um, Mike, do you have any specific thoughts about the heat since you are down in Florida as the current heat resident, maybe? <laughs> yeah, I, uh, uh, as a heat fan, I, I'm a heat fan and a magic fan. Um, cause down in Florida, we don't, we don't really have a problem with that. It's not like the Yankees and Mets where you got to pick one. Um, <laughs> the, the heat, I mean, they came into this as the five seed. It, technically they was, they were basically tied with the Pacers for the regular season. Um, and I think as a heat fan, I can say, I think they played a lot better than most people expected. Um, definitely better than the Pacers expected. Um, you're, you hit the nail on the head, David. They are, they are not a star driven team. Like most quality NBA teams, they've got a lot of balance. Um, Dragic has been solid at the point. Um, Bam Adebayo is just, he does everything. Um, and the two of them playing together and then the three point shooting from everybody else. I mean, Duncan Robinson and Tyler hero and just everybody has been contributing. Um, and I think, you know, like you said, most likely they'll end up playing Milwaukee in the second round because as nice as it was to see Orlando win that first game, that was mostly <laughs> a fluke. Um, and, you know, for if you're a Bucks fan, you look at last year, the Magic won game one in their series against Toronto in Toronto, and then the Raptors went on to win the championship. So the Bucks very well could do the same thing this year. Um, but I think it's going to be a good series if it ends up being Milwaukee and Miami. Um, cause I, at the end of the heat game tonight, they were talking about how the, the bucks give up the most three pointers in the NBA and the heat love to shoot the three and the bucks live off of points in the paint and the heat defend the paint better mm-hmm. than most teams. So yeah, it's I feel be like, interesting. it feels like the nation kind of expects the bucks just to take away the East. They're going to be in the finals, but this matchup's really good with those, you know, two factors there. They live in the paint. If you can stop Giannis, they, all they really have is Chris Middleton outside of that. They don't really have a third person stepping up on a nightly basis, maybe a rotation. I think the defense can actually, you know, cause some problems here with the Heat, make this a true series. I don't know if they have the talent, the hustle to pull it off, but I could easily see it going six or seven games to wear down the Bucks. So that way, once they do get to the Eastern Conference Finals, they're going to be tired. And something that I've noticed just, Overall, you know, there's no home court advantage here. There's no fans. It's very different. You know, players are not traveling from city to city. It's just this monotonous. You go to your hotel, you go to practice, you walk to a game. That's really yeah. all you're doing here. So it's kind of messy with them. I've heard a lot of coaches kind of coach out their players on you need energy. And that's something you don't really hear in the playoffs. I mean, these guys right. are taking time away from their families, their loved ones. They can't go see them. They're stuck here. So you might as well play your heart out to make being away from your families worth it, go out and play. And it's just funny hearing these guys being coached up. Like, hey, we're in the playoffs. I don't know yeah. why you're not playing hard as it is. Well, I, like, it's funny you mentioned them being away from their family. Cause as, as you, you might know after, once we get past this round, once the first round's over, then players are going to have the option to, to bring in some family members. And so there actually will be some people in the stands, not going to be a lot. It's definitely not going to feel like a playoff game. But it'll be interesting to see how the the morale of players changes when their their wives or children or whoever it is that they um, invite, how that affects uh, some of the different players. Hey, mom, and... you want to come get floor seats for free? <laughs> <laughs> and then to the other matchup on the East, um, Sixers beat the Celtics, complete sweep. Same for the Nets. They lost to the Raptors 4-0. I think the Raptors and Celtics are going to be a classic matchup, both very efficient offense, defense, good group of players on each. I can see that being a very competitive series. No team really outshooting the other um, in any game. I think it's going to be very close the entire way through. And I have no idea who could come out of that if Boston is completely healthy. Yeah, I, I agree. I think it's going to be, that's going to be a fun series to watch. I think they're both, pretty evenly matched and you know they neither of them really had any problems getting through the first round so they're both uh neither of them going to be too exhausted after after those sweeps so 
Toronto's got the the experience after after winning it all last year, but Boston's no slouch. No. So after seeing what you guys have seen so far in the East, anybody want to change their prediction on on who's at least making it to the big game, to big dance? Gosh, barring any injuries, I still think the Bucks are going to come out of the East. I know it sounds very cliche since most people in the nation are saying that, but I wouldn't be surprised to see Toronto overcome Boston here, potentially the Bucks, but I still think it's the Bucks conference to lose right now. Yeah, I I would say just from from watching the first round and seeing the way that Milwaukee has struggled against an eight seed in Orlando who has also been playing without Aaron Gordon and without Jonathan Isaac, the the idea of them struggling with that team and then having to go face the Heat I mean, it could be my personal bias, but I, I would expect that the Heat would take that series. Um, and then it's going to be a coin flip, I think, between them and Toronto to see who who takes the East. But I, I coming into the playoffs, I would have absolutely said Milwaukee 100%. But seeing them and the way that they have struggled, I, I just don't see them getting past Miami. And Mike, I don't think you're crazy. I mean – and maybe it's just people from Chicago giving a little love to Jimmy, to Jimmy down there in Miami. But, you know, I listened to a lot of Chicago sports radio during the day, and a lot of guys they're bringing, even ESPN as a whole radio, a lot of people were talking Miami and, and kind of that sleeper team mm-hmm. that they were thinking, hey, this, this team might make a run for it. David, you make a great point with, with, you know, not having this general vibe. It might be those teams that's not full of superstars and egos and everything else. These guys might just be rolled and, and gelling, you know, off the court, you know, going back, playing 2K all night and just having fun, kind of be like back, back in college days in their dorm room, pretty much just having a good time, uh, you know, hanging out together. So it may be those lack of egos is going to drive one of these teams and, and have a surprise upset. I would like to see it. I don't know if it'll happen, but I would not be upset if something like that were to happen. Hey, honey, I know you're at home with the kids and the nanny and the this and that. Hey, I'll talk to you for five minutes and I got to go. We have practice. Define practice. <laughs> NBA 2K. <laughs> <laughs> got to learn to play somehow, right? <laughs> we're, we're running various offenses to see how it'll work. Best simulation game out there. <laughs> So, okay, guys, switch gears. What do we think about the Western Conference then? Oh, first one, got to go 1-8, Lakers, Trailblazers. This is a this is a great series. Obviously, got LeBron and AD out in Lakerland. And then Damian Lillard is just playing on another level right now. He can shoot the ball from half court, it seems like. Full confidence, even with a hurt finger, it doesn't matter. And the way he is... I mean, he's a superstar. The way he's even stepped up his game in the past 10 games has been amazing to see. I really thought the Lakers would not have much trouble. They're a little depth. I mean, they're obviously going to live and die with LeBron and AD, but, man, this is a fun series to watch here. They're actually playing live Monday night. Lakers are up 2-1, so if Willard can go off again, CJ McCollum might help. Tie the series at 2-2. It could be a tough battle. Well, he call, what's the uh, what's the score right now? Don't have the score in front of me right now. Um, it is. Uh, <laughs> oh, never, it is not. It's, never mind. It's not close. It's, it's not close. It's, it, no, it's one twenty-one oh. to ninety-two right now with about nine and a half minutes left. Oh. Lakers are going to put up one hundred and fifty points tonight. Sorry. Well, so that'll be three-one. Oh. I'm sorry, I asked. I should have just clicked the link uh, before I got. Jeez, uh, I was expecting. So that. let's My just goodness. say the Lakers are up three-one as of this publishing. Um, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. There's yeah. no way the Blazers are coming. Don't back think the Blazers are coming back. So Lakers move on to play either Rockets or Thunder, which is another good series tied at two to two right now. Um, if any of you remember way back when the season started, there was this little snippet that ESPN put up that Thunder had like a either a two percent chance or a point two percent chance of making the playoffs, and they're here at number five, tied with the Rockets, which is crazy to think that they've. You know, surpassed plenty of expectations outside of Oklahoma. Yeah. Okay, so uh, next year, whoever ESPN says has a point whatever chance of winning, we're all going to go to the sport bookie and start talking. <sighs> yeah, Chris Paul is this amazing guy who 
he keeps getting older, but he keeps playing consistently. He's a great floor general. He can lead a team, and he's doing it in Oklahoma. I'm very surprised that they are where they are right now with him leading. Well, talk to me about the Clippers and Mavericks because they're they're also pretty big game to watch right now. And everything I see keeps coming back to Luca. I'm gonna kill his name. Is it Doncic? Luca Doncic. Awesome. I'm right on. (laughs) (laughs) It's a good series too. Too on paper, I think the Clippers are a better team, but that doesn't always matter once you're out on the floor. Yeah, the Dallas Mavericks are this like European led team with some american backups it feels like and mark cuban's just showing that you know what you don't have to pick american college guys you can go across the ocean pick up these european guys who are not well known and groom them and you know they've been playing pro basketball since they were 14 15 so their experience is way far beyond what most american college students are by the time they're the age that he is so I don't know if this is going out on a limb, but I'm going to say Jordan was obviously king of the 90s. Uh, Kobe of the 2000s, LeBron 2010s. I think this decade could belong to Luka. I mean, on the trajectory that he's going right now, I could see him as the face of the NBA for the next 10 years. Yeah, I, I, yeah, well I think that's I think that's a that's it's a somewhat bold prediction, but I mean, there's there, you got a lot of stats to back that up. He's he has. I mean that game yesterday, triple double with forty three points in the in the playoffs and hitting the game winner. Yeah, that's that's the kind of stuff that can make you the face of mm-hmm. whatever you want. <laughs> so yeah, I could I could see that I, he could have he could have quite a decade ahead of him. And not only does he not lack confidence, he has the personality that draws people in. So the fan, or I guess the consumer, in this sense. They like him because he's just such a likable guy. So that definitely does not hurt his case at all. Yeah, the NBA loves him, man. I mean, it's amazing, even in the last just couple of months, how many commercials that I've seen his face on suddenly out of the blue. It's like, you know, oh, dang. It's like one after the other. (laughs) They're just finding a way to squeeze him into anything and everything they can do. Mm -hmm. His uh, Obviously, his sponsorships are starting to cash in on that. Yeah, great personality. Obviously, a heck of a baller. Uh, you know, that's what the NBA needs for sure. Who cares if he's not American? Hey, true. <laughs> you know? That's true. That's I have a question. Does anybody have a friend over at Tops cards so we can go ahead and get, get a Luca rookie, rookie card, card, card and you know it just has to have some yeah. kind of shiny on the back of it. Everybody keep it nice and clean. We can we can go in about this four ways. There you go. <laughs> Start scouting those on eBay already. <laughs> Anybody got four hundred thousand? Matt, you probably got some kind of connection, right? Don't you know somebody that knows somebody that knows somebody? Of course, Matt always has a connection. Mike in for though. Mike has the connection now. Yeah, not not to that (laughs) level. (laughs) Oh, in that case, come on, Mike, gotta gotta pull your weight. (laughs) Oh, sorry, sorry to disappoint. Okay, so I'll start making some calls around the uh, what, what did they call that guy? The crazy Vegas, whatever he pulled for that four hundred thousand dollar card. Good Hell morning. yeah, jeez. Get on eBay. So you guys picking on the on the West, Mike? What's your guys' prediction? Can anybody take the Lakers? I mean, I that's my only. It's it's basically for me anybody but the Lakers. Just please somebody dethrone LeBron. I don't want to see it in the finals. Oh man, Houston. I'm, I'm getting this anti-Cleveland vibe from John lately. <laughs> no, it's not you guys. you guys know. You remember, I was I was a big LeBron guy. I was probably the only LeBron guy of yeah. our group, you know. And uh, I don't know things things have changed. I don't like Steph Curry and I don't like LeBron anymore. So both of them just yeah yeah they just rubbed me the wrong way. <laughs> so I think Mavericks here. They're on a roll. They're hot. Over here come the Clippers. Dude, how how freaking amazing would a Mavericks Heat final be? Hey. Like that is one of those. I don't have a ball, you know, a vibe on any of these these two teams, but that's a that's a tune in final for me. Two teams that you know are just, uh, to my opinion, kind of up and comers. Maybe not you know not stack full of complete superstars, and you know have some of those like future mm-hmm. future in the making type showcase games. I mean that that would be a heck of a fun series to watch. Love okay, it. David, call your contact over at ESPN. Tell them to get online and say that there's like a 
0.5% chance that game's going to happen. Somebody get on the horn in, in Vegas and start Put it on the a stat line. down that lane. The ESPN bottom line. Remember that little ticker that they used to do on ESPN on SportsCenter oh, across the bottom? Yeah. We'll get it trending on there somehow. There you go. There you go. <laughs> you know, sports sports gambling so is finally legal in Illinois. So, I mean, I'm sure I can I can get, get us down to a casino real fast. If you guys want to, you know, just, just give me a little transfer of money, a little cash app, and uh, I'll be sure to drop some, some dime for you. <laughs> <laughs> quick trip out to jersey if you want to go if you guys just want to go hit the red zone real quick with the oh, virus you, and, go, yeah. you know <laughs> hazmat suits into the get you an eight-hour drive pick up some <laughs> some rona on the way yeah okay anything else going on with uh nba going right now guys that we want to talk about um, well, since it just happened, my Hornets happened to look into the third pick in the upcoming draft. It's about the only look they've had in a few years. Now it's just a matter of them actually drafting correctly. We tend to draft so what, unathletic. What six foot seven tall white guy are they going to draft this time? Yeah, we just draft unathletic power forwards every year and it does nothing for us. So I'm hoping something else comes our way. Maybe James Wiseman falls to us. I'd be happy with that pick. But knowing the Hornets, set up too. So <laughs> I'm at least going to live in the glory of moving up to the third pick while it lasts until they mess it up. That'll be great. You guys will pick some some guy that doesn't have any talent, and then my Bulls <laughs> are right there behind you. So <laughs> maybe we can we can snatch up whoever you uh, you uh, don't whoever pick. we pass on. Somebody somebody call Kevin Garnett before he lines up behind Minnesota. Tell me you to come down and to draft somebody that actually plays like he used to. <sighs> can we start there? I, I'm okay with that whole like shebang happening <laughs> all in one hit. We love you, Jordan, but this just hasn't been your thing. You just sit back <laughs> and enjoy from the top stage, and and we're gonna let Kevin do his deal. He'll make decisions. Okay, so that's another episode for us here at the Sports Talk Garage, and uh, we'll go ahead and sign off, and we'll talk to everybody again next week. Thanks, guys. Later, guys. Later. Thank you for listening to today's podcast. If you'd like to have your sports-related question or comment featured on the show, please email us at sportstalkgarage at gmail.com. Also, if you want to keep up to date with us outside of the show, please follow us on Twitter at SportsGaragePod. If you enjoy the show, please drop us a five-star review and subscribe if you want to hear more. So for Chris back in the studio, David and Matt, I'm John, and we are the Sports Talk Garage.